Welcome to the place where people of faith find real answers. We believe women deserve more than just religious band-aids for their most difficult and destructive relationships. And now for today's episode of Relationship Truth Unfiltered. I'm so glad you've joined us today. If you're new to the podcast, I'm Julie Sedenko here with best-selling author and relationship expert, Leslie Vernick. Many of our episodes deal with the topic of destructive relationships, but today we're going to deal with dating. Now, those of you who were around in the late 70s and 80s might remember the old Barry Manilow song, Ready to Take a Chance Again. My mom used to play that all the time on the 8-track. So, Leslie, some of our listeners thankfully have escaped an emotionally destructive relationship and have done their own work of healing. And they might even feel like the song says, ready to take a chance again. How does a woman know when she's ready to start dating again? You know, I think that's a really, really good question. And there are a lot of factors involved in asking that question to yourself. Many professionals recommend that you give yourself a year of healing for every five years of marriage. So if you've been married 25 years, say, They recommend staying single for five years and doing your own work, but sometimes you stay single for 10 years and you still haven't done your own work because your belief inside your own head is, I need someone to take care of me. I need someone to love me. I need someone to fulfill me and make me happy. And so we've jumped out of one toxic relationship and we're likely to jump into another one because we haven't done the work, even if you've stayed single for five years. So it's so important for women who are listening to this to not believe the myth that something outside of themselves, outside of Jesus, outside of the relationship with Christ is going to fulfill them and make them happy. That doesn't mean they can't have another good relationship or have a good relationship to begin with, but to look for one to fill a void in your life isn't a good strategy for long-term well-being in any relationship. I know you've talked about seven indicators that are kind of guidelines that every person needs to consider before diving back into the dating world. Can you talk about what some of those might be? For a lot of Christian women, I think they married young because that was the ideal. I just want to be a wife and mom and they just wanted to get married and have their own little nest. And they've never really fully matured into adulthood. And so I think even if they're 50 at the stage of the game, their job is to do the work to know themselves. So who am I? Who did God make me to be? What are my strengths? What are my weaknesses? What are my values? What's most important to me? How do I feel? And what do I like? What don't I like? And what boundaries do I have? And what are some of my good parts and some of my weak parts that might lead me into temptation or difficulty in relationships? And this is so crucial for you to do this work first for your emotional, mental, spiritual well-being. Because if you're going to enter into a new relationship, You want to enter into that relationship fully as yourself and not what you think they want you to be so that they'll like you. You want to be you and fully you to know whether they do like you or you're a good fit or not. And some women don't do this work. They don't do this hard work to get to know themselves. They may be insecure or afraid or they're afraid of rejection. And so they try to morph into what they think the other person wants them to be so that they'll be loved or liked or wanted. And then they're never known for their true self. Or maybe when they start to mature and become their true self, that's not what the other person wanted. I've likened it in the past to going into an ice cream parlor. 
if you go into an ice cream parlor, most of us pick a flavor that we tend to prefer. Like me, it would always be a, some sort of chocolate, chocolate coffee, chocolate chip, chocolate something. Amen. I would never, yeah, I would never pick like my my brother in law picks daiquiri ice. I would never ever. It's not that no. I, <laughs> not that I don't like daiquiri ice. It just wouldn't be something I would pick to eat on an ice cream cone. And so I think it's really important that we understand that if we're to be the best version of ourselves, if we're to mature to be the woman that God called us to be, just like daiquiri ice or chocolate chip or whatever ice cream, strawberry, they should not try to be the other ice cream so that they'll get picked. So strawberry would make a terrible daiquiri ice and daiquiri ice would make a terrible chocolate flavor if it tried to be chocolate, because I know she's gonna like chocolate. So your job isn't to try to be what the other person wants if you're looking to date or even for a good friendship. Your job is to be the best possible version of you that you can be so that you will attract people who like that. And that makes much better friendships as well as long-term relationships. Leslie, what does that actually look like when you're trying to have that good sense of yourself in a relationship? It's more than just knowing what you like and don't, but being able to communicate that in a way that's healthy to the person that you're dating. What does that look like? Yeah. So for example, um, maybe you learn that going 90 miles an hour, doing, 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 doing stresses you out and makes you crabby. So you learn that about yourself without beating yourself up that you aren't wired emotionally, physically, or psychologically to be going, going, going. Some people are wired that way and they really thrive on that. Other people get totally depleted by that. So it's really important for you to know which one you are. Are you an extrovert? Are you an introvert? Where do you get your energy from? Do you get your energy from being with people all the time? Or do you enjoy being with people, but it sort of drains you by the end of the day and you sort of get your energy sitting on your back porch, listening to the birds or reading a book. You get your energy by being alone. What are your values? What's most important to you? For example, do you love being with your grandchildren and spending time with them? Or are your values wanting to be a missionary overseas? And if you see your grandchildren once a year, that'd be fine, but you really want to do that. It's really important for you to know those things about yourself because when you're partnering with someone or you're thinking about partnering with someone, you want to see if those things are good fits together. Um, and if the other person respects you for that, or if you are free to be that, it doesn't mean you have to match in every category. For example, introverts often are attracted to extroverts because introverts have a hard time socially mixing it up very easily. They're more quiet. And so hanging out with an extrovert makes socializing much easier. But if an extrovert expects you to be an extrovert and always go to parties every Friday night and always go out to the bars or go out to a picnic or church Saturday and Sunday and Monday, you're going to be exhausted. And so there's this place of being able to accept and know who you are, what gives you life, what drains you, and being able to communicate that to someone else so that they get to know the real you and to see, doesn't mean you can't be good friends, but it may not be that you can be compatible living together because maybe one of you is a neat Nick and that's really important to you and another is a very big messy and that might drive you a little crazy and it's important to know that ahead of time, whether you can accept that or not accept that. Or maybe one of your values is to spend every holiday and every Christmas with your children, your grandchildren, and the other person's value is, hey, I want to be traveling and see the world. And those aren't wrong or right values. They're just different. And if you don't know what yours are, and you just kind of meld into someone else's, you're not living authentically to yourself. 
I think it's important to also know who you are, but also that your significant other that you're dating knows who they are. I know when I was first dating my husband, he lived, he had bought a home in this little tiny one lane town. And I told him very early on, hey, I just want you to know I'm not a small town girl. Now, I don't have to live in New York City, but this isn't going to work for me. I mean, we were 45 minutes from pretty much anywhere. And he just was like, oh, yeah, yeah, no, that's fine. That's fine. And it was kind of like anytime I would say, hey, this is who I am, he agreed. And of course, I was thinking, well, this is just perfect. And then we got married and I lived there for several years. And then after we had our first child, I was ready to move. And it became a big, 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 big issue. And it wasn't until we had done a lot of work and he admitted that, well, yeah, I said that, but I figured it would all work out. I figured you'd come around. And he learned very quickly, I was not going to come around and be happy in a one-lane town. So if you feel like maybe you're dating a yes man, how do you know that you're getting the truth from your partner? that's a really good story and a really good point. And I think the younger we are, so you were probably dating him younger. You're not always sure of what you like and what you don't like. That's something that comes with age. I think as you learn, you know, I didn't like avocado as a child. You couldn't have gotten me to eat avocado or guacamole. I didn't like it until I was in my forties. And so I think Chinese food, those kind of things that you just, no way, you know, no way are you going to like that ever, but that's not true. And so if we think personality or even likes or dislikes are fixed forever. That's not true. Even our values change. Maybe we value success and accomplishment and getting a new house and getting a family and doing all those things in our twenties and thirties. And maybe in our fifties and sixties, we value spending time with the Lord or volunteering our services. And so we change over the lifespan. So don't get locked into thinking that someone's going to always be that way. I think it's important to say to someone who might be a people pleaser or you suspect might be a people pleaser at any age, what do you like so much about this house? Obviously you chose this house. Tell me more so that you're getting, so that he's getting to know himself and you're getting to know yourself. Do you ever see yourself living in a city that's bigger? Or do you like hanging around with people? Those might be things for a younger person. I think if you're dating in your forties and fifties and you sense that someone's just saying yes because they're trying to accommodate and please. We all do that. We try to put our best foot forward. We don't want to cause arguments and stress in a dating relationship, especially on a first date. That's Nobody has any fun there. So you try to accommodate and go along. But over time, it's really important that you can be honest and direct. And if you suspect someone isn't because they're afraid of doing that or they never have done their own work, to be honest with who they are, to really say, hey, it's really important for me to, for you to think through this. I know so many blended families where this has been an issue. I really enjoy spending tons of time with my children and grandchildren. They're not your children and grandchildren with a blended family. Is that going to be okay with you long-term? Yeah. Right. Is that going to be okay with you that Christmases are going to be with my children and grandchildren and yours if they want to come, but Christmases aren't going to be on a cruise. Right. Is that okay with you? Because this is really a high value of mine and give them an opportunity or her an opportunity to say, well, can we compromise? Can we go every other Christmas or can we take cruises in early December? You know, so if those are other important values of travel and that kind of thing, that you talk about whether you can make that work in a living arrangement or not. 
So interesting, as we worked through that issue, my husband and I, he began to realize that that little town had a lot of meaning to him because he had grown up as a pastor's kid and they would move a lot. He went to four different high schools in four different years, but that town was home base and that's where his grandmother lived and they would always come back there. And so we did work through that, but I don't think he realized himself how important that place was for him. And I think that's the beauty of relationships is that as we're honest and we invite someone else to be honest, or as we work through something about what's important to us or what's not important to us, and they see us do that, that invites them to do that. And sometimes we discover new things about ourselves or we discover our why, why we think the way we do or why we want what we want. And once we kind of name it, maybe then it's easier to let go of like, okay, I can create home base in a new place. It doesn't have to be here. Now I understand what I really want. It's not this house. It's a feeling of home. And I can create that someplace else. Yes. And we have, and I think it also helped me to have a little bit more compassion to why he was digging his heels in so much. It's like, okay, now I understand. Whereas Mm -hmm. before I thought, what a jerk. You told me this, you're a liar. And it wasn't that black and white. (laughs) Okay. A second indicator that you're ready to date again is if you can recognize your own personal blind spots. Can you explain a little bit more about that? Yeah, so all of us have blind spots. Uh, Sort of like when you're teaching your teenager to drive, you tell them, hey, did you know that an entire car can hide in those little strips on your windshield? I almost got a car accident, not, you know, waiting to see because there was a car right in that windshield strip and I almost pulled out and got hit by it. And so we all have blind spots. And if we have people in our lives that are truth tellers and good friends, Hebrews tells us, let us encourage one another daily unless any one of us become hardened by the deceptiveness of sin. And so I think recognizing that, for example, in dating, oh my gosh, I get so swept up by a charming, handsome man who's nice to me. And like most women do, most women do. If there's a handsome, good-looking man yes. who's nice to me, it flatters our ego and it kind of makes makes us feel a little bit special and beautiful. And we all love that Cinderella, Prince Charming kind of fairy tale story. Um, So if you know that that's a blind spot that at times you've been conned or fooled in the past by looking only at the superficial, that he's generous, he's charming, he's got money, he's all into me, he's flattering. Who doesn't love that? But watch other things, watch what your friends say about him, watch how he treats other people when he's stressed out or when he's angry or upset. Pay attention to not just charm, which is lovely, but pay attention to character. Is he honest, dependable, reliable, faithful, kind, loyal, especially when he's emotional or stressed out? Because if he's not those things, there's a lot of charmers out there. There's a lot of men and women who can sweep us off our feet. And if we aren't aware of our own blind spots and know that our vulnerability to that, oh my gosh, he's so into me, this feels so intoxicating. And it does, it does for all of us. Flattery, the Bible tells us, it's be careful because it does sweep us into it. Just be careful of your own blind spots so that you're not swept away by a person who's really good at imitating what you're looking for, but is not the real deal. That's a lot easier said than done. Even if you recognize what trips you up, it's not always easy to avoid tripping up. 
uh, kind of like how chocolate trips me up from being in the shape I want to be. Mm-hmm. I can see it every time I'm walking into C's Candy for their butterscotch squares, which I love. But how do you find and recognize what your blind spots are and begin to change them? Because when you're already dating, sometimes it's a little harder to see. Yeah. And, and when you're already dating and in love, you don't even care. So right. I think this is the important thing that you don't date, especially if you've already had a past destructive relationship. So we're talking to women who have already been in a relationship that's been hard. You know that relationships that feel so good at the beginning can go south. You know that already because you've lived through that. So it's not like you're coming in as an 18 year old thinking that this is love at first sight and we are truly, you know, made for each other. There is no such thing. Any relationship is hard work, even a good friendship with a woman and a friendship, you know, girlfriends. It's hard work because you have differences. You have conflicts. There are things that come up that you have to talk about. And so if you know your own personality, it tends to be a people pleaser, tends to be overly accommodating, tends to fear conflict, tends to overfunction and take responsibility for things that are not yours you're not really ready for a healthy, mature relationship with someone, especially if the other person has things in their personality that are also unhealthy, that maybe they would take advantage of those things or they would blame you for things and you would take the full functioning and over-responsible for their feelings kind of thing. And so you kind of fall into the same pattern that you were in the first time. And so it is important for you to do your work and for you to have good female friends. If you have a history of good female friends that you're honest with, that you can be yourself with, that you can deal with conflict, that you're not people pleasing all the time, that gives you a better indicator that you are ready for other relationships that are even harder than just good female friendships. But if you don't have good female friendships and you're just looking for that guy to take care of you and rescue you out of the mess you're in right now, that's not gonna end well, usually. No, it won't. And I know we touched on this a little bit earlier, but. Another indicator that you're ready to date again is if you're able to speak up for yourself. What does that look like? So if you already know your likes and your dislikes, and you know your values, and you know what's important to you, and maybe somebody wants to do something that you have a catch in your spirit against, or maybe they don't have a problem with premarital sex, and you do, and you have the ability to say, you know what, that's not something I want to do before I'm really in a committed relationship or I'm married. I'm not going to go there. And do they respect your no? Or even let's say they really want to go out for pizza tonight and you're gluten intolerant and you don't like pizza at all. Or maybe you just had pizza for lunch and you don't want to go for pizza tonight. Can you just say, hey, I'd rather not go for pizza. Or are you always giving in? Are you always accommodating? Are you always deferring what you want or need in big ways or little ways? to please them, to make them happy, to keep them from being mad. If you're seeing yourself do that, it's not their fault or their problem, but it will cause problems in your relationship. And therefore it's important for you to pull back and say, I've got my own work to do before I'm really ready to be in a relationship because I'm finding it hard to be honest with this person about who I am, what I want, what's important to me and my values. And that goes back to our first thing, to know yourself, But you can know yourself and still not be honest with the other person about where you really are because you're trying to be that chocolate ice cream. Please like me, please like me. So I'll do what you want so that you'll like me. But then the consequence of that is you're never comfortable with them liking you because you know you're not really you. They're liking a false version of you. And that doesn't give you any security either. 
wow, false version of you. That's good. What if you can articulate, yes, I want to do this. No, I don't want to do this, but he's not doing a good job of respecting those things. Does that mean move on? It could. So, so you have two choices. So when someone bucks you, you know, says, wait, I, I, I'm starving for pizza. Can't you just accommodate me? You might say, sure, I'll have a salad or I can get a cheesesteak sandwich or something else. Like, you know, it's okay to give in when someone says, this is really, really important to me. You don't want to be stubborn and say, no, I have to add my way all the time. So the first time you've expressed yourself, no, I'd really rather not go to pizza, but maybe it's against your values. Like I don't want to see an R-rated movie or I'm not good with violence. I'm going to be up all night or I don't want to watch porn together. That's not okay with me. Yeah. Right. And those are your values. And if they're bucking your values and they're making fun of your values or diminishing your values, or they're trying to make you feel ashamed or guilty because you have those values, that's a really important red flag that they're not loving you for who you are because you're telling them this is who I am. And they're making fun of that or they're devaluing that. They're loving you for something else, for what you do for them, for what you give them. And that's not a healthy relationship. So you're being the giver, they're being the receiver or the taker. And it's important for you to recognize that pattern. Again, once in a while, we may give in to a like or dislike, but we don't want to give in to our values. We don't want to compromise what's really most important to us just to keep someone else happy. If that's a pattern in your relationship, you're going to lose because they're stronger than you if they can convince you to give up what's important to you. Okay, I won't see my children this Christmas. Okay, I won't put my money in the bank account. We'll let you buy a business. Okay, I won't you know, save my money for my children's wedding. We'll, we'll go on that trip. And now you're left with a ton of regrets for things that you didn't yeah. do to take care of you that were part of your values because you did it to please someone else, not because you truly wanted to, but because you wanted them to not be mad at you. You wanted them to approve of you. And you'll never win because it's always up the ante to something else that you have to do. And especially when that's against your values or against what's really important for you to do, you're going to have resentment and that doesn't lead to a good relationship. That's such an important differentiation, understanding your values. And if they're bucking those really good. So Leslie, the fourth indicator that you're ready to date again is, do you have personal boundaries and are you able to state them with the current relationships that you have. Talk about that a little bit. Yeah. So boundaries go back to this place of identity, you know, so if you haven't done step one of getting to know yourself and who you are and what you stand for and what your values are, that's how you begin to define yourself. This is who I am. This is what I stand for. This is what I'm not just like we think about a state. So I live in Arizona, you live in a different state and we don't have big boundaries around each state in the United States. We don't have big fences and walls and all that. That's not what a boundary is. But in Arizona, we have certain things that identify us as Arizona. Like we have a state flower, we have a state license plate, we have a state government, we have our own laws about things. In Arizona, you can carry a gun on a holster on the outside of your shirt and it's okay. And in places of like New York or Chicago, you'd be arrested if you did that because yeah. Chicago has different boundaries. Illinois has different rules. New York has different rules. And if I travel to New York or uh, Illinois, I better know what those rules are because I could get in trouble if I didn't respect their boundaries, right? Mm -hmm. So they have boundaries. 
Arizona has boundaries, they're different and they're not meant to scold anybody or shame anybody. They're meant to say, hey, this is what makes Arizona, Arizona. If you like these things, live here in Arizona. Or this is what makes New York, New York. If you like these things, live in New York. And so it gives us that opportunity to really get to know the state and what it stands for and what it does and what it doesn't do and what it's responsible for and what it's not responsible for. And so boundaries have a lot to do with identity. Who am I and what do I stand for? And also responsibility. What's my responsibility? And what's not my responsibility? And so when we think about relationships, we think about boundaries again. My property lines or Arizona's property lines or my personal property lines tell me, oh, this is my house to clean. I don't expect my neighbor to clean my house. It's my house to clean. It's my life to take care of. I don't expect my neighbor to take care of me. I take care of me financially, emotionally, mentally, spiritually. That's my job to do. On the same, doesn't mean my neighbor wouldn't care about me, but it's not my responsibility to go clean their house or their responsibility to come clean my house. It's not my responsibility to go mow their lawn and it's not their responsibility to come mow my lawn. Now, neighbors sometimes ask each other to help and we can say yes or we can say no, but these boundaries help us define what's ours and what's not ours. What's my work to do? What's not my work to do? And if we're not clear on that, let's say, for example, someone asked you to co-sign on a loan. You're dating this person. They want to start a business. They're all excited. They know that you have lots of money from your divorce settlement, or you have a house that you could second, put a second mortgage on and lend them $100,000 so they could start this business. And now you can have this wonderful life together. Is that okay with you? Or is that not okay with you? Do you have a boundary about how you're going to use your money and what you're going to use your money for? And you don't have to say, no, that's my boundary. I'm not, you don't have to say it that way. But if you don't know that you have a boundary, like we all have a boundary around our money. Nobody in their right mind would give someone their ATM card and the password and said, here, help yourself, whatever you need, take. We have a boundary. Hey, I can give you $100 or I can give you $1,000 without feeling resentful. But co-signing on $100,000, don't think I can do that. Are you able to know what you can and can't do, what you're willing to do and not willing to do? And can you say that to a girlfriend or a boyfriend? Because if you can't, then you're going to tend to attract people who will manipulate you and use you because you don't have a good no and you don't clearly know what your boundaries are. Let's go on to the fifth indicator. Have you made a list of the qualities that you are looking for in a potential partner as well as your deal breakers? I know we talked about deal breakers a little bit, but talk about making that list just like you have your core values for yourself. I think it's really important for you to know yourself and what's most important to you in terms of being able to live agreeably, peaceably, lovingly with another person. It could be not even in a marriage. It could just be a roommate. I think it's really important to know what is important to you. It's interesting that my family, my brother, sister, and I all grew up in a very chaotic household with a very unstable mother who was very violent. She was verbally abusive. She was unpredictable and scary. And each of us married a very calm, <laughs> unemotional person. Yes. And so we traded off. We don't get a lot of excitement. We don't get a lot of range of emotion. Like my husband will say this, I am so mad. Or he'll say, I am so happy. And he'll say it the exact same way. Wow. <laughs> His range is pretty narrow. 
But growing up in the chaotic household I did, as well as my brother and sister, we kind of like that. We kind of like that their emotions are very predictable, they're very safe. We don't have to worry about coming home to an explosive temper. So that may not be for everybody. They might have grown up in a family that was very verbal and very explosive and very safe because they were loved and they were never abused in those situations. So that may not bother them as much as it bothered us, but we all gravitated to a very calm person who doesn't have a big range of emotional volatility. So I think you have to know yourself, again, going back to knowing yourself and knowing what's really important to you. So going back to listing qualities, I would say, what are most important to you? And it's not, oh, he's making a lot of money. He's cute. He's got a nice car. We have fun together. Those are fine. I hope those are part of the package. But what are the most important qualities, deal breakers, I call them? You know, no one gets all 52 cards in the deck in a deck of cards. You know, you don't, you don't have all 52 cards in a marriage partner. Everybody is missing some cards. So you have to decide what are the most important cards for you. So for me, honesty. Honesty was one of the most important cards. If I caught a boyfriend lying to me, not even lying to me, but I caught him lying to someone else about something. Yeah. That was a deal breaker. Like if he's lying, I don't want to be married to someone like that. Loyalty. Is he a loyal person or is he fickle? Is he a player? That didn't attract me. I didn't want to be with someone who was a player. It might be attractive and intoxicating to you for a player to be attracted to you, but understand if they're a player, they're a player. That's yes. what's important to them is to have lots of female attention. I don't want to be around someone. I don't want to be married to someone like that. So what are important indicators for you and deal breakers? If someone's disloyal, if someone's dishonest, if someone is mean, he might not be mean to me, but I see him being rude and disrespectful to the waitress because she didn't do what he wanted. Or I see him being mean in traffic and he might be lovely to me, but I see him being mean to other people. That's a red flag to you that if you disappoint him in a certain way, he will also be mean to you. He might not be right now. And so think of what are your qualities that are really important to you that you do not want to live with someone who's got these qualities and you do want to live with someone who's got these qualities. What are they? And pick three or four that are your deal breakers, that if they, if they are this, I'm going to end the relationship because that's not who I can be with. And that's really important for you to decide ahead of time. So good. Just a couple more here. If you have underage children or he does, a sixth indicator is, have you thought through when you will bring those children into the relationship? This is a big question, Leslie. What is the right way to do this? There is no magic answer. And um, I grew up in the original Brady Bunch. Um, my dad uh, remarried a woman with three children. And when he got custody of us, we went to live in his home with three children we didn't know and a woman that we hardly knew. Um, and we had our struggles, but there were a lot of values that my parents, my dad and my stepmom had in common and agreed upon how they were going to handle the family blending together. So I think that's one thing is, can you and this person you're marrying or wanting to marry, can you agree on how you're going to parent children together? Who's gonna to take the primary role for his children or your children? And when there's a conflict between you and the child, that's not your child, how's that gonna be handled? Because children are children and they're good manipulators. And even with biological parents, they tend to divide and conquer. So yeah. if they can do that with step families, it can create 
lots of lots of drama for a new marriage. So I think that's one thing. But I think the second thing is how long has it been? How are your children handling the divorce? What kind of relationship do they have with their parent? Is it a good relationship? How's that going to impact that relationship? Are they going to feel disloyal if they love their stepdad or their stepmom? And what are the expectations of the stepfather who's coming into this relationship? Is he expecting them to be loyal to him and treat them, treat him as a dad. I think that's a lot of things that need to be talked through. And I think sometimes kids are just not ready for a new relationship. They're not ready to accept you having a new person in your life. And I think you have to really think through that and how this is going to impact the entire family. Even if you're lonely and you want to get married again, maybe it's not the best for your children right now. And so these are questions that are I have no answer for, but I do think it's something that every person who's divorced and thinking about remarrying must take the time to answer and not just, you know, throw caution to the wind and it'll all work out and we'll be fine. Um, there's a lot of damage that's done by not planning and thinking through this through and getting some consultation or help from other people who could really be wise in helping you put this family together, this new family together in a good way. And I know that the age of the kids plays a big factor, but say you're dating and you know, I really like this guy. What is the time frame that you should maybe be dating somebody? Just a general guideline before you introduce your kids to him. And secondly, how do you do it? Do you take them out to the pizza place? Do you announce like, I really like this guy and he may be my, your future dad. I mean, so timing and how is the best way? Yeah, I, I, again, I don't know that I have the perfect answer, but I would say if you're just casually dating someone, you do not want to introduce them to your children. Children have tender hearts and they can attach to people and people can attach to them. And what you don't want to do is have your kid go through severed relationships with all of your dating partners. Yeah. Um, that's just really hurtful to kids to, you know, have someone come into their life and show interest in them and play ball with them or take them out for pizza or you have a great time together. And then a month later, they never see them again. That's painful to children to feel like someone pays attention to me. Someone cares about me, especially if they don't have a good relationship with their biological parent that's not living in the home anymore. So they're looking for someone to care about them and to play with their hearts with someone who's not truly committed to them or to you um, is just hurting them unnecessarily. So I would say, do not introduce your children. I know it's hard because your children are your house most of the time. And so you wanna have your boyfriend over, or you wanna go out together and you can't leave your kids home. So you go all out together. But this is where your values are gonna take place. What's most important right now? It's your yeah. kid's welfare. It's not your dating life. And so your kid's welfare is more important than your dating life, at least from my personal values. Yeah. And so really caring about their hearts and caring about their well-being might mean that you can only date when they're with their dad or when they're with their grandparents so that you have the freedom to date without your children there. But if you are in a serious dating relationship, I would say that you've been dating significantly for a year or more and you really know this person and there's a strong values that match your values and what you want out of life and how you want to raise your children and what's most important to each of you are very aligned, not what you like to do together, but your core values are pretty aligned there about how to do things and how you want to do things and the character qualities are there. Well, then you might want to introduce him or her to your children saying, you know, mommy's been dating someone for about a year now. 
And I really think he's a quality person and I'd love for you to meet him. I don't know for sure if we're going to get married or not, but it looks like that could be a good possibility. And so I would love for you to meet him and let me know what you think. And really invite your child to get to know this person and tell you what they think. And if they tell you they do not like this person and they're not happy about this, I think it's important for you to listen and why. Our seventh and final indicator that you may be ready to date. Do you have a core group of friends or family that you trust to help you see whether or not this person is a good potential life partner for you? And I know this one's so important because blindness is real when we're dating. Can you talk about this? Yeah, love is blind. Love is blind. And again, when you're dating, most people show up with their best foot forward. So I remember working with this couple and she was in marriage counseling with him and she turned to him and she said, you're not the man I married. And he said, yes, I am. But the guy you dated was a fake. And I thought that was hilarious oh. at the time. Oh. And he was self-aware enough to know that he just was what she wanted. He put his best foot forward. He did everything she wanted so that he could win her heart. Sort of like your husband said, yeah, I'm fine moving, right? Yeah, and exactly. he didn't really pay attention enough to himself thinking that that was, that was what you do when you date somebody and you like somebody, you accommodate and you do what they want, you know, do, but that's not really who he was. And so you can't sustain that. And so marriage showed his true self and she's gone, I'm not sure I like the true self. And that happens a little bit in every marriage that there's things that you learn about someone that you didn't know, but you don't want big surprises. You really want to know their character. You might find something out about their history or their past or their quirks that you didn't know about, but you don't want to find out that, oh, I thought you were an honest, good person and you're not. You don't want to find that out after you marry someone. And so your friends and people who know you well are really good helpers in you discerning whether this is a good fit for you and a good fit for your values and your family, especially if you have really good friends who know you well. And I remember a friend of mine who's been single for a long time, a professional friend of mine at a conference, she was being uh, sweet talked by one of our colleagues, a psychologist, and she was being swept off her feet pretty fast. And she came to me and she said, oh my gosh, you know, he's so, you know, all of that that we do. And she said, let's go out to dinner and come with me. And so, we, we, you know, we came and afterwards I said, didn't like him. I don't think he's a good fit. Wow. And I, I'm warning you, I don't think this is your type at all. And she took that to heart. Now, it's not like she broke off with him, but she started paying more attention to the things that I saw that she didn't see because she was so enamored with some of his gifts and his wonderfulness. And he had some of that, but there were other things about him that weren't so wonderful that she didn't see. Those are our blind spots. And so I think it's really important to invite people into those relationships that, you know, he comes and meets your parents or he comes and sees your friends and not first five dates, but if you think this is a keeper or you're going to have a more serious relationship with this person, then you do start introducing him to people in your circle and see how he handles it and how they respond to him and whether or not he fits, because these are your family. These yeah. are people who you love the most. And if he doesn't fit with them or he doesn't like them or they don't like him for whatever reason, that's only going to cause more and more heartache. And that's why it's really important that as your children meet this person and they say, we don't like him. He's mean to us, or we don't like him. He doesn't, you know, never wants to pay attention to that yeah. because if you start living with him and they have to live with him, it's not going to be pretty. It's really not. And that's not what you want. You really don't want that. And so don't let romance 
and the blooms of first love cloud your thinking and other people in your life can help you with that if you invite them to. These are the people who have known you best for the longest time, especially if you have good relationships with them. And they sort of can tell whether someone's going to fit into your established life. Because if this is a second marriage or a third marriage, you've been already in some terrible relationships before, you're asking someone, you're not building a brand new life with someone like you would when you're 18 or 22 without all the other stuff. You've got a life, you've got children, you've got parents, you've got siblings, they have children, you've got friends, you're established in your life. And if this is something that you want to move toward um, and you have this life that you already enjoy and have, this person needs to feel like they fit into this new life and that they like this new person. And that's really, really important in a second marriage. Um, you don't want to just assume that everyone's going to be fine with them when they don't fit well. And it's also important for you, again, to have your life, that you're not looking for this other person to make your life for you. That yes. as you've done your work and you've grown and you've matured, you have your life and you're inviting them to be a part of that, just like they're inviting you to be a part of their life. And that's another red flag. If they have no life, if yes. you don't meet their children, you don't know their relatives, you don't know what their past life was like, that's a red flag that why don't you know? Why don't they have their life? And so are they just looking for you to make a life for them? That's an impossible request. You can't make someone else's life work. And so you really want to blend a life, not create a life for somebody. Wow, that's very good. Blend a life, not create a life for somebody. So quickly to summarize the seven key indicators that you are ready to start dating again. Number one, do you have a good sense of yourself, your strengths, your weaknesses, your values, and your boundaries? Number two, do you recognize your own personal blind spots? Number three, are you able to speak up for yourself? Number four, do you have personal boundaries and are you able to state them with the current relationships you have? Number five, have you made a list of the qualities you're looking for in a potential partner, as well as your deal breakers? Six, if you have underage children, or he does, have you thought through when you will bring them into your relationship and how? And finally, do you have a core group of friends or family who you will allow to speak into this relationship? Remember, these are the people who want you to be happy and who know you best. Leslie? That's so true, Julie. And I think we all want good relationships and God wants us to have good relationships. He's created us to thrive in community. Doesn't necessarily have to be marriage, but we definitely need people in our lives who we feel loved, we feel we belong to, and who belong to us. There is no one person who can totally fulfill us and complete us. That's a Hollywood myth. But we do want to be connected and belong to people, our children, our parents, our siblings, and a spouse. But we want to do it in the healthy, strong, loving way that God intended. And if you do the things that you need to do to do that, it's much more likely that you will get those results. Leslie, thank you so, so much for this excellent advice and criteria. You're welcome. And it's my pleasure. I think the older I get, the more important I see relationships being in our well-being. Um, but unhealthy relationships can be toxic, 
just like healthy relationships can be life-giving and nourishing. They can't do everything for us that we might want, but they can give us a sense of love and belonging and God desires that for us. But unhealthy relationships can suck the life right out of us. And so we wanna be careful uh, who we hang out with. The Bible tells us that we should be careful on who we hang out with. And bad company corrupts good morals and hanging out with good people helps us be stronger. So take that advice from God himself so that you can find good people to be with. Lord, we just thank you for your instructions on relationships. You tell us to love others, including our enemy, but it doesn't mean that we can be friends with everyone. Even Jesus himself, who was perfect, wasn't close to everybody, didn't trust everybody. And he didn't feel guilty or ashamed about that. He just accepted reality that you can't be close to everybody. So Father, we just pray for those listening that they would understand what are some of the important things that they need to look for and develop in themselves in order to be the best kind of friend or the best kind of partner, the best kind of parent that they can be so that they can have loving and healthy and strong relationships. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to Relationship Truth Unfiltered. If you haven't subscribed yet, be sure to hit that follow button. And we would appreciate if you would leave your honest rating and review of this podcast. Well, until next time, may God bless your mind, your heart, and your home.